what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films. I'm Alan. This is Chris. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Are you ready to talk about some movies today? Definitely. All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to do our, our reviews in just a moment. We're going to be talking about some movie news later in the episode. And we're also going to close out with our online recommendations of some streaming films that you could check out right from the comfort of your own home. Uh, we got two films to talk about today, some new films, uh, very different films. Uh, we're going to be talking about the film, the new Roman Coppola film, A Glimpse in the Mind of Charlie Swan in just a little bit, or Charles Swan III, I guess I should say. Sure. We'll get to that in a little bit, but first... We're going to do a review of the documentary film Searching for Sugar Men. If ever there is an air of intrigue and mystery around a pop artist, it is around the artist known as Rodriguez. We thought he was like the inner city poet. He was this wandering spirit around the city. He's like a wise man, a prophet. How many records do you think he sold in America? In America, six. Born in the troubled city. Growing up, Alan, I'm sure you would flip through your parents' record collection every now and then, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, record yes. records. This absolutely. is predating the big, CDs. The big LP predating, records. Yeah, you yes, remember absolutely. what these things are, right? I okay. love looking at all the cover art and liner notes and all those. Okay, excellent. I'm sure you know your parents may have had a Beatles record, maybe a yes. Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. Probably Rod Stewart, James Taylor, Rolling Stones, maybe? Uh, no Rolling Stones. <laughs> okay. But all the rest of them, yes. So, yes. Okay. And I'm sure, without a doubt, they probably had the multi-platinum album Cold Fact by Rodriguez, right? Would it freak you out if I said yes? <laughs> yes, it would. Okay. Well, yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Phew. Because that blows the whole intro. No. Okay. So, you know, Rodriguez, I had never heard of this person. I don't know if you I had. I not either. No. But he was platinum selling, but in South Africa. As opposed to United States. What I want to know, Alan, is after watching this documentary, did it interest you to find out more about Rodriguez? And would you actually want to have a copy of Cold Fact by Rodriguez now? Uh, The answers are yes and yes. Um, As you kind of alluded to in the introduction, I mean, this is a story and we're going to do this without giving away too much of the inner workings of the film because it really is one of those things I found myself enjoying it more probably not having known anything about the subject matter so we're going to try to keep this very spoiler free yes okay. I've seen the film twice now Okay. and on the second time I will say it still holds up as a good film but it doesn't quite have that same punch to the stomach that it does the first viewing got you um but I love this film. Absolutely love this film. I, I think from a documentary standpoint, it's one of the best docs I've seen in years. Uh, probably hearkening back to uh, um, the Freedmen's, watching the Freedmen's. That was one of my favorite documentaries from years ca- ago. Capturing the Freedmen's. Capturing the Freedmen's. Yeah. That's it. This is probably now up there as well, rivaling up in that area. Gotcha. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Again, it's one of those things where it starts out in one direction, does take a little bit of a change, ends in a much different place than maybe you would expect the film to end. Mm-hmm. And I loved it for that because, again, they found a subject that many of us, almost all of us, knew nothing about. 
Gotcha. And I think this would have not been as effective a documentary if it was doing something on the Rolling Stones. And a lot of people know the history of the Rolling Stones. Even if they're documenting a very interesting phase in their career, it still wouldn't have that same effect that I think this one does. So do you think in classifying documentaries you've seen in recent years, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned Capturing the Freedmans as kind of being a a hallmark of like, okay, that's that's a good one. For me, yes. I love that. So what do you think made you respond to so positively to this documentary? Do you think it was music? Because I know you're a big fan of music. Mm -hmm. Or do you think it was just because of the story being so incredible about this musician and kind of... Do you think that's what made it resonate for you, the story in specifically, or do you think about music or what, what do you think resonated with Again, you? Again, it's yes on all fronts. Okay. I, I think this would have still been a very effective documentary, even if the music was not to my liking, but it just so happens I really did like the music too. So I think that it really helped add to the whole package. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, the whole premise of this documentary is how can somebody who's an, an artist in the late sixties, early seventies here in the United States have record producers glowing about how great this performer is, gets no attention in the United States. And then all of a sudden we find out 20 years later that he was revered as a just superstar. At one point they mentioned bigger than Elvis bigger in than South Elvis Africa. In South Africa. But yet he, his family had no idea of it. For that to under for that for you to buy this premise, you have to be able to hear the music and hear that the music is really good. Right. If we heard the music and it sucked, our things would be well. Okay, why then? Why was he even popular in South Africa? I don't even understand that. You hear the music, you're like, yeah, I could totally see how people would really become enamored with this music and really enjoy it, and he could become successful somewhere. So it really needed everything to work together. Um, again, not to get into the latter half of the film, but there's a moment towards the latter half, kind of a culmination of an event in South Africa that is kind of puts the button on the whole story, and it's very dependent on the performance of music and it's a really powerful moment. And I think there again, if the music was not good, it would have all fallen apart. So I think it did work all together. Sure. Now I will say, even despite the music, I think from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, this was a very, very well-made documentary. Um, I really thought the production quality of it was top notch. The fact that this, uh, the director and I, I'm going to butcher his name. Oh yeah. His name. He's he Swedish or maybe. Something yeah. Like that. But okay. he wrote, Directed. He did some of the sketched animation in there or sketched drawings. He did the original music that was not Rodriguez's music Got you. behind the, the soundtrack. This is almost a one-man show putting this thing together. And that makes it even more impressive when I saw it to think, you know, this guy really did his homework and really got in touch with a lot of people in this process. A lot of little visual styles to it, a, a lot of scenes and shots I really appreciated as well. Chris, I've been doing all the talking here. What did what did you think? You and I have not talked about this film since we screened it the other correct, night. Correct, correct. Um, I liked the documentary. I okay. thought it was really good. Um, I, without keeping it spoiler free, I unfortunately was privy to something that was going to happen. So that um, that made me probably enjoy it less upon I first viewing. A bit, sure. But I still I still really enjoyed it. I will say that I was kind of taken aback by the production value. Not that that was a negative thing. But a lot of the camera work, and they have these sweeping shots of Detroit, and they also have sweeping shots of South Africa, mm-hmm. and specifically some mountain road shots of like winding roads. When I think of documentaries, I don't think of fancy camera work. True. It was a little different, but actually that's what I responded to really well. Is I, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of the handheld shaky cam documentary style stuff. I like this being almost shot like a movie. Well, and I guess you the know. perspective I was coming at it from was um, when I think documentary, I kind of think – 
smaller budget and more intimate, like because it's telling real real life stories as opposed to something that's really glossy and has like fancy graphics or fancy camera movements. Not that those still can't tell interesting stories, but I look at this as these as kind of being independent documentaries, kind right. of. And this one, I didn't know what to expect really as far as camera, but it just really impressed me. And it, I won't say it made the film less to me, but. For some reason, the more high gloss it is, the less seeming authentic. Well, does that, that make that or is as far I, as real as far as real life? I mean, I not that it, that. you know, because it's as opposed to something that looks very, for lack of a better term, sixty minutes, yep. you know, staged as opposed to something that looks like Hollywood did a movie of it. And I'll give yeah. you one specific example without mm-hmm. ruining anything. Um, I liked the balance of people in America versus people in South Africa talking about him. Sure. But, um, you know, and kind of his life and things that had happened. But uh, there was a producer who made his second album. Mm-hmm. His name was Steve Rowland. Mm-hmm. And his interview and the way they staged some of that was kind of like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. It, that one was tough, I'll give you. And then there's a moment where he actually says, there's this one song, man, yeah, that's just, to kill well, let, me, let me play it for you. And he just kind of turns and like presses a button and it's there. It was a little overproduced, a little overdone. I think a couple of the interviews, they did go a little, almost played up a little too much. Like they knew they were doing a documentary about they were the subject. kind of pulling on the strings just a little yeah, bit too little much. much. I even think the... Uh, Sugar, you know, the actual record store owner that's kind of probably our, our biggest guide through the whole film. He's the most prominent interviewer. Even if there's even times where he kind of overplays his statements really? a little bit. I thought a little bit. Huh, okay. Almost like, and this is the moment where everything changed. You know, just kind of those kind of phrases where almost almost like, yeah, I know I'm telling a story and I'm going to really tell I'm gonna it. Hype as, it. I'm going to hype it up a little bit. I guess I agree. there was a couple of those moments. Yeah, that Steve Rowland interview was a little tough. Man. Um, yeah. I'm glad it was at the very beginning and we didn't come back to him later on in, in the movie. Right. Um, I will say that I, I, yeah, I didn't feel that way with um, the Sugarman guy, mm-hmm. Stephen Sugarman, but he, his earned, I thought the earned moments of him being very emotional yeah. worked for me because oh, no, I thought he, they, he was a genuine guy. Off. I just think sometimes you put a camera in front of people and they're telling a story and they, they tend to overhype it. And unfortunately the director let them overhype it. I think I got sometimes you. there's also the, uh, the journalist who kind of did a lot of the research work. He made a lot of those comments to the whole, well, little did I know this was going to change everything. And right. it's almost like watching the behind the music VH1 special. You kind of get it real amped up. Got you. It was a little bit of that mixed in. That was probably my only real misgiving with the film is I did question some of their authentic, authenticity just because of those statements they were using, which I didn't want to do that, but that's where your brain naturally goes. Yeah. Other than that little misgiving on things, I really, really, really appreciated this film. I I did too. And I had a couple of misgivings, like you were saying, I think it was surprising to me upon completing the film that for his music to have been so influential in South Africa and to made such a difference with the whole apartheid Mm-hmm. movement that was going on there they were trying to get away from apartheid and this happened years ago it's not like yeah. it just finished you know a lot of this took place obviously his music was released in the 70s you know 80s 90s and for this to just now be a documentary and it was released in 2012 and it's now 2013 like i couldn't believe with the internet that i hadn't heard of this like well, it just yeah. it kind of boggled my mind and i'm like it deserves to win documentary just because of that it was able to pinpoint this little facet of our world and blow it up and make a movie about it and have it be enjoyable yeah. so i i loved it i have not seen any of the other films nominated for best best documentary for this year's oscar yet but 
right away. I mean, to me, I know this has got a little bit of a swelling of kind of being picked as a favorite right now for this year's Oscars and the documentary field. I would be perfectly fine to see it win, even without having seen the other entries, just because this is a really, really, really good dog. Having seen four of the five, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely the feel good candidate (laughs) without a doubt. (laughs) And that's, that's gotta be saying something. Yeah. So good. So yeah, searching for sugar, man, it is still bouncing around a little. Well, I actually know it's on DVD now it's on DVD and streaming. mm -hmm. So it actually was one of those where we screened it right, right as it was going to DVD release. Right. And uh, so you can actually see it on, uh, iTunes. You can see it through Amazon. I think some other places as well, Mm -hmm. selling at DVD, uh, distributors all over the place as well. Definitely recommend checking this film out. If you're a fan of documentaries, if you're a fan of, the music industry and reading and learning more about it. I think there's a lot to keep your interest here. Absolutely. And don't be surprised if you don't find yourself buying the soundtrack pretty soon. Like I did <laughs> shortly after watching the, the film as well. So, great. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move on to our second review. Okay. Okay with you. Yes. We're going to do a review of the film by Roman Coppola, who yes, that Roman Coppola, that's the <laughs> son of uh, or no son or nephew. I believe it's son of, son of Francis, Francis Ford, Ford and cousin to Nick Cage. Okay. So a lot of Hollywood connections there, right. but the film is a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan III. You're a big fake liar. You're incredibly irresponsible. You don't listen. You're crazy. You're selfish. You're not the only person, Charles. I thought it was different with her. And then poof. I don't want to be with you anymore. I can't concentrate. I think of her every minute. Whoa, whoa. Zing, rewind. What did you do? She said she didn't want to be in the drawer with all the other girls. Well, obviously, I totally agree with that. I'm lost. I have no idea what we're talking about. So, Chris, I just watched this film the other night, as I I guess you did as well. And I'll tell you, here are the things that when I saw this listed and I saw that we was reading about the film, I got all excited. Roman Coppola. Okay. As the writer and director. That's that could be a good thing i mean obviously he comes from a very strong film history family uh, right with francis for coppola being his father and uh roma coppola i think he i think he actually even had a part in the godfather part three was he a little kid there or i something? think so yeah. yeah um jason schwartzman's in the film who mm-hmm. i really like jason schwartzman i think you do too if I'm i do correctly. i'm a fan bill murray huge fan yeah very excited audrey plaza i like her from parks and recreation very mm-hmm. happy there patricia arquette Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Got some great actors, great writer and director. Gotcha. And then we've got the lead star, Charlie Sheen, mm-hmm. who, all right, Charlie Sheen in the 80s, big fan. Sure, Charlie Sheen since the 80s, not really a big fan. <laughs> After watching this film, Chris, I have to ask the question, though. Whose decision was it for us to review this film? <laughs> and can I have some sort of punishment extracted on them for it? Wow. Um, I think the answer to the first question was it is you? it was a was, mutual. It was a mutual agreement. Was it mutual? I don't remember it being mutual. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, there's my suggestion. Right. I, think, I think it was mutual. Um, I'm just trying to find the and the punishment. I mean, if there's to be punishment to be taken for this film, I'll I'll take it um, because I actually um, you enjoyed this. I did. I what? liked it. I liked it. Yeah, oh I liked gosh. it. Um, this I, I thought the. Kirby, where Jason Schwartzman's character, a Kirby plays best friend to Charles Swan. He was funny. Thought he was good. I thought Bill Murray is two percent of the movie. Thought but, Bill yeah. Murray's saw was really good. Again, he was in like four percent of the movie. I, th- I liked okay. the uh, cinematography and the set design and a lot of the um, kind of like the the way they would frame the movie. Like it opens up with a sequence kind of getting you into the mind of Charles Swan with sure. like all these like balloons and kind of like a Monty Python Terry Gilliam yes, the type thing. The first two minutes were good. Yes. 
So, and I liked I liked the music in the, the, music in the movie. Good. Okay, yeah, you're hitting all the things I like. So but. the one the 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 black hole of the film, which I assume was Roman Coppola's decision, uh, was to put Charlie Sheen in it. Yeah, and that's the problem is that he. Now, I can't judge. I haven't seen a lot of his work, and I haven't seen his stuff since the 80s. And I don't remember a lot of stuff. I mean, he was in uh, Major League, yeah. I guess. And he no, was in, Major League was okay. Yeah. And I, But like, I don't remember him ever being a good actor, necessarily. Well, it was just like— I just think back to Wall Street, Platoon, you know, some other things. Oh, he was really okay. good. Forgot he, had about his, those. he had his moments. But basically, I like the idea of the film. I liked a lot of— a lot of what was going for it. and I think any less a director or any if his cast members had been less it wouldn't have been good at all I'm glad I saw it is Charlie Sheen a big black hole at the center of the film yes yes without a doubt but I still felt it was very worthwhile watching and I, I enjoyed it and I wonder if I wonder if Roman Coppola the only reason he did it was because of what's happened to Charlie Sheen recently well you know, was it just, and if so shame on you for just trying to make a buck off a headline I think that's what it was and I hate I hate making that kind of judgment but I don't see any other reason for this film other than oh hey everybody's talking about Charlie Sheen ooh he's crazy let's I've got an idea for a film this will be perfect. I'll put him in it and make him the big headlining star, and everybody will come see it because Charles Swan III is kind of like Charlie Sheen. There's a lot of similarities oh. in the life. It's a very yeah. much a a meta commentary on the, on this guy's life. But I tell you what, I you know I admired what they're trying to do. Basically, for those of you not familiar with the film, it really is the idea is supposed to be you're supposed to kind of get a sense for who this guy is, what makes him tick, and the fantasies that he has that were very prominent in the first 20, 30 minutes of the film, and then they just kind of disappeared. Dropped off. It became this long middle portion, 45 minutes of just meandering with him sobbing about his next girlfriend dropping him and it just goes on and on and on now, see, the fantasy sequences stop which I actually like the fantasy sequences see I, I don't I don't agree that it went on and on the movie was 86 the movie was 86 and minutes like two long and a half hours oh come yeah. on I, yes. did, I, I felt like it was very you know it was pretty cut and dried I mean no. but you're the stuff with Charlie Sheen is the worst part of it but He's I still feel like I still feel like if there was if the writing had been a little bit better if you gave him more to do or maybe if he was just a better actor I actually wonder but it's too bad because it was probably charlie sheen and that's the whole reason they did the movie but you take him out and you replace him with almost anybody else and the movie would have been like he really did suck the life out of for, yeah because, he did. you know if you got at all sick of charlie sheen when he was in the news headlines like in the last couple of years for his erratic behavior if those news items ever annoyed you and i'm talking to you the listeners to our show <laughs> then this movie will irritate you to no end for an hour and a half because it basically is just him doing his shtick for an hour and a half. And see, I guess I avoided a lot of that when it was in the media. I knew that it was happening, but I just avoided it. So maybe it didn't seem so dependent on that because I didn't know a lot of the background. And I, some of the things in the movie that I could really appreciate are, and they weren't the fan. They, these two are not fantasy scenes, okay. but I like the, the fantasy stuff where he's like, you're getting inside his I mind. I think the fantasy stuff was well done, but it was just, it, it was too early and it fizzled out and they didn't follow up on it. And they could have done more of it. I'll, yeah. I'll agree with that. Um, but I liked the car wash scene where he's, there's yeah, the scene good. where he's like getting a car and it's a tracking shot. And then, <laughs> the scene that also has the car going into a swimming pool and just like how they do these like tracking and camera movements and the closing credits of the movie. I really appreciate it. Okay. But let's talk about that because, okay, here it is. But I think the whole thing, the movie is grand. You can't have your cake and eat it too, but it's like, let's not take this too seriously because we're kind of mocking Charlie Sheen at the same time. We're 
making us feel sorry for him because his life is so complicated or whatever. But I think at the whole time, they're you're never supposed to be taking the movie too seriously. And I think the people that just act like, oh, this is rotten, this is horrible, this, you know, I wish we would have never, like, this movie yeah. had never been made or zero stars. I'm like, come on, it's not that but bad. But here's my thing, Chris. Okay, I, 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 I've never been the guy that subscribes to the idea that films have to have this great, intent, you know, high-level purpose. And I'm all for popcorn entertainment films. I love just sitting back and kind of letting my brain go. But, okay, when you give me a film that in the first little bit has some promise where they show you some of these dream sequences, these fantasies he has, you get to know more about him through his fantasies than I think you do watching him in real life. Hmm. But then they're gone. Then we go through what seems like an hour in the middle of him in this whole ex-girlfriend situation. And he he's still a reprehensible person. There's nothing redeeming about him. And even though we get to the end, I still don't see anything redeeming until he has this one little moment with the ex-girlfriend where he actually gets somewhat honest. With uh, he helped. He felt bad for his sister and because her book wasn't being published. And he's also... Kind okay. of an right. uncle to the two nephews. I mean, I'll stick up for the yeah, film. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I, I still think there, we don't really get any redeeming qualities from him. He has this one little breakdown in front of his girl, ex-girlfriend where you actually see a little shred of humanity in there. And that came right after him trying to help out his sister. So there at the end, he's getting a little bit of you, – you start to like him a little bit more. He shows up at this big party. Everybody's all happy and loving him and all that stuff. And then you have this little cutesy credit in the sequence. It's like, okay, what – what has anything done to make me feel like this ending is earned through this movie? The whole movie too, I think is he's not a likable person. I mean, I will give you that Charlie Sheen, I guess in real life may not be a likable person. Mm. I don't think you like him, Um, (laughs) but the movie could have done more to give us what the title promised, which was a glimpse inside his mind. And it didn't do that. But I think it tries with some of the dream sequences and then kind of falls away. But the closing credit thing is a final attempt to kind of come back and show us a glimpse because he's trying to create an album cover for his yeah. best friend, which is Kirby. And he kind of gets the inspiration. He tells him and he pulls it off. And I think it was an awesome way to kind of attempt to tie the loose ends together. And it was a final glimpse of like, this is his creative process. And I appreciate that. And at the same time, it shows Roman Coppola's creative process because they break the fourth wall basically. And they do a roll call where they say, you know, I'm Bill Murray. I played the part of Saul and it really works for me. And at the end, there's actually a shot of like in a mirror, you see Roman Coppola with the camera and it just, it, I don't know. It worked. It was to me, it also served as kind of a love of making movies because a lot of the stuff's improbable and shouldn't really be able to happen. But it, I don't know. It was kind of, it worked. I just think it was, it was all over the place. It didn't follow through on any of the promises that it tried to give you throughout the film. If it's going to do the whole, let's really explore his mind, then let's really explore his mind. Don't explore it for 20 minutes and then have me watch him wallow around and get <laughs> mopey and sad and and depressed for the next whole two thirds of the movie. And then come back in a five minute scene at the end and make it seem like everything's all happy again. I'm sorry. It just, it, it never, it never worked. It just, never well, and visually together. it kept me interested as opposed to the master, which bored me for segments on end. Well, and this movie, I mean, like we've already it, discussed how you're I, and we have, now, so. but I'm just saying <laughs> as far as like, you know, running time and being interesting, I've, Oh, this is a mess. I'm sorry. I just think this film was a mess. I, wow. It had so many moments where it could have been really good. So many moments I like. I mean, the puppet at the end. I like the little puppet thing. Yeah. That was a cool scene. That was a cool little one-minute scene where they had a puppet of Charles Swan. Doing gestures that made you 
But there the again, it's like them. everybody's all lovey-dovey with him when this guy has not earned it. I mean, he's he's slack. He's like let a lot of other people down. And but it, but all of a sudden everything kind of gets tidied up in a little better at the end. Everybody's all happy for him. And I don't know. It's just uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I did not care for this film at all. Uh, there are moments to appreciate with it, but. Nowhere near justifying ninety minutes. Wow! My time. Wow! Very agree, agree to disagree, sir. Boy, <laughs> I'm 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 surprised. See, I, I wouldn't think you'd go for some of the the cliche stuff they pulled in there, but you did. No? I uh, cre- cliches done creatively. I'm all about that. Yeah. You know. Okay, fine. If you must go see a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan III, <laughs> it's on iTunes. It's on other places as well. Uh, it didn't make it to a major theater. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Oh, boy. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break. When we get back, we'll talk about some things that maybe we can hopefully agree on. Uh, Stay tuned for more Foot Candle Films. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. Okay, Chris and I have uh, we've let the dust settle. You know, I, I, I reimbursed him for Charles Swan. The yeah, third. thank you. And I uh, I patched up all the bruises we got from our little <laughs> fisticuffs afterwards. So we're good. We're fine. We're ready to move on to some other things. Before we do, though, just a reminder, you're listening to Foot Candle Films. This is our film review and discussion show here on The Mesh. TheMesh.tv is where you can go and see our show as well as a whole bunch of other shows listed for your downloading and listening pleasure. Everything from business to parenting to entertainment to uh, music, everything in between. So a lot of good options for you to listen to. They're all free. They're all able to be downloaded. We recommend using iTunes or any other podcast player to subscribe to them. When you subscribe to our show, for example, that means that every time we put out a new episode, which right now is about twice a month, you will get that automatically downloaded to your player. Chris, you have us on subscription, correct? Yes. You get it downloaded every single time we put out a new episode. I do. Whether you want it or not, it is forced into your iPod or your iPhone. Ready and, to be and you know, I must admit, I don't always listen to all the episodes because I'd have to hear myself. Yeah, but, I don't listen to us know. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't. I can't listen to it. <laughs> well, the mesh.tv, that is the mesh.tv is where you want to go for that. Go check it out. Give us a look up on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback on the iTunes store as well. There's a little place where you can give us a star rating. I'm not going to do the whole pressuring saying you've got to give us a five stars. But just saying, you know, if you feel so inclined and right. your cursor wants to move more to the right-hand side of that star scale, we're not going to discourage you from it. Right. Um, in all honesty, though, giving us reviews, giving us star ratings, whatever they may be, does help our visibility on, on iTunes. The more traffic we get people seeing us on the iTunes store, the more they're apt to feature us and get us listed in other places. So help us out. Let us get some visibility. We'd love to get even more listeners in the future for the show. And feedback is always welcome. You know, we're always wanting to improve and you know, that, that helps do that. It does. And another way you can give us feedback actually is uh, contact us through the mesh.tv website. There's a contact us form on the website. Uh, You can also just drop us a line at info at the mesh. That's T H E mesh 
TV. All right. So enough of the self-promotional stuff is out of the way. <laughs> Let's move on to some other uh, movie discussions. We're going to jump right into movie news. Okay. This is the part of the show where I try to look up some movie news items that I think might be of interest for us to talk about. Uh, try to see if I can catch Chris off guard with my questions and topics and see what kind of thoughts we can generate here. So, Chris, item number one. You know my feelings about biopics. Yes, I'm not a big fan, generally. You generally prefer documentaries like yes. Sugarman as opposed to them making a dramatic film. I would not have cared to see a dramatic interpretation of the life of Rodriguez. Although that could easily be done. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be shocked if they're not already doing it right, right now. But to me, give me the documentary. Let me see all the real stuff. Understood. However, biopics, for whatever, are all the rage in Hollywood always have been. You know, in the last couple of years, we've had The Iron Lady with Meryl Streep doing mm-hmm. Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. We've had... Um, King's Speech. Yeah, King's Speech. Um, Lincoln, obviously, mm-hmm. with uh, Steven Spielberg's film recently. Johnny Cash and Ray. Yeah, and all, yeah. yeah. So a lot of them, and they always seem to make some pretty good Oscar runs when they come out. Sure. Well, we've got one coming up called Long Walk to Freedom. And uh, it is going to be a biopic about Nelson Mandela. Okay. Now, I will tell you, I'm actually kind of interested in this. Uh, Nelson Mandela is a character I'm always fascinated by, but I honestly don't know enough about him. So I do see this as an opportunity where, all right, yeah, maybe having it as a dramatic interpretation, an acted piece may not be bad. Uh, Idris Elba, do you know, are you familiar with that actor? The name sounds familiar. Idris Elba, um, and I'm trying to remember what he's actually been in recently, but uh, actually I think he was in... Uh, Prometheus. Uh, okay. Uh, the black gentleman on the ship. I think he was oh, the pilot of the ship. Okay. Okay. I believe so. Okay. Boy, I'm going to look that up. Our intern, Nick, is out today. Man. Otherwise, Nick would be looking that up for us. But, Nick, where are you, buddy? Yeah, I know he's also the star of the upcoming film Pacific Rim, which is the big monster alien fighting oh, movie. Oh, man. Oh, really? Oh, man. Okay, I'm excited about that one. Oh, we'll, man. We'll send up for another day. <laughs> I am curious, though. I mean, they've got him tapped right now to star as Nelson Mandela. Okay. I can see that. Hmm. It works for me. Um, Long Walk to Freedom is the name of the film. My question back to you, though, is are there any characters left to make the well, I mean, biopics? Is there a real person, a real historical person that you personally think is due for a biopic or you would personally be standing in line to see a biopic for if they ever made one. Okay. A single person. No, but I can t- think of two groups. Okay. Okay. This is showing my bias, their music, but two groups that would be ripe for a biopic. The problem is these people are still alive and they have tight control over their music and you could make the movie without it. I would love to see an honest biopic of the Beatles. Like honest. Yes. They include, did, uh, not know, backbeat, which is the early backbeat, years. And then we had that John Lennon one that came out a few years yeah. ago. Uh, Lonely boy. Was it? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Not that I want from them first getting together the four all the way up until they broke apart. You want the official. Yes. Rubber stamped. This is it. Well, and, yeah. I, and then maybe that's the problem, but it'd have to be rubber stamped because of all their, um, yeah. the groups and everything or the people like you some of them, do this without two of them are still him. alive and you know, the, estates and everything but i would like to have all the ins and outs and all the histories i haven't read all the volumes and volumes of biographies that have been written about these guys but i know there are bunches of interesting stories there and i really wish they do that but legally i don't know when that'll be the other group that actually believe it or not i think would be even more interesting Mm -hmm. because of some of the things that happened was Pink would be Pink Floyd. Well, Pink Floyd would be fascinating. And because not a lot of people know as much They're about not Pink Floyd. figures individually as much. Right, but there's still a lot of interesting. Their music was very interesting. They mm-hmm. tried to be political. They were very experimental. So yeah. were the Beatles, but I just because 
not a lot's known as much is known about them. I think those two groups, I think would be fascinating, fascinating, well, fascinating. And no, actually, but you know, we're just not, I guess with the Beatles, you at least had that anthology documentary that kind of came the out. Documentary when they released was good. That was pretty much the most definitive thing they could have put out from a documentary standpoint, but I'm with you on, I'd love to see an actual film right. of it. Uh, for so me, those two groups, for me, Steve jobs, they are working on a true, but Steve they're making, jobs. right. They've got one coming out called jobs that stars Ashton Kutcher. And that's not good. I've, I've heard not very good things about it so far. Okay. The official one is coming out soon and it's the, uh, the West wings, uh, what's the name of the uh, Sorkin? Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin's writing the screenplay. And now is he basing film. it kind of off the, the Isaacson book. book? Yes. Okay. Okay. So see, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware that the Kutchner mess was not part of no, that. Okay, so it was two separate. separate. Films. Okay. Uh, the Sorkin one is supposed to be the one that you kind of the watermark, high watermark one. That's the one that's supposed to be the more definitive one. Okay. This one that's came out, uh, it's not getting a lot of uh, kudos from the tech community. And even Steve Wozniak, who is Steve Jobs' partner, right. who's depicted in the film, has already came out saying, no, that's not really the way it happened. Okay. So I want the definitive James uh, Steve Jobs movie in the future. So that's one I'd be really excited about. Okay. And I'm with you kind of on the music bands thing, too. I... Uh, it's probably one of the reasons I really liked the uh, Joy Division film that came out a while back, Control. Control. Because it was one of those things where I knew very little about that band as mm-hmm. people. I knew mm-hmm. their music, but I didn't know anything about them as individuals. Got you. So that's when I think it works well. When you take a figure that is not a common household name and give them a good story. Uh, Harvey Milk in Milk, mm-hmm. uh, Gus Van Zandt, I thought right. was a really good biopic as well. So it can be done right. It's just unfortunately the ones that get all the acclaim and all the Oscars are – to me, very cookie cutter and sure. predictable. And well, I, I hope guess the Mandela pitch, pick will be good because I am really interested who's, in his who's, life. Who's helming that? Do we know directing? Um, I don't see the name offhand. Okay. It's not anybody I recognize. So. Okay. All right. So biopics. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, second thing. This is a kind of playing back a little rewind to early days of our show. For okay. Films one on episode number three. Wow. We did reviewed, you do research or did no, Nick did. do this research? No, okay. Nick, Nick the intern helped me out. Okay. Uh, Episode number three, we reviewed The Tree of Life. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. We both really liked The Tree of Life. Yes. Did you know the next Terrence Malick film comes out next month? No. Yeah. Why has no one been talking (laughs) about this? Terrence Malick has a film coming out next month, mid-April. Well, mid-April is the release date called To the Wonder, starring Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Did I say Ben Affleck? No. Ben Affleck. (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing it just like the Affleck duck now. Ben Affleck. And then you've got Rachel McAdams and Javier Bardem's in this. Wow. It's coming out in like 45 days, and I have not seen a trailer. Uh-uh. I've only seen one publicity still picture from it. That's it. I mean, were you aware of it at all? No. No. Supposedly he's working. He's got two films in the See, works. I had thought that he was, there was rumors that he was going to take bits and pieces of tree of life and like make kind of another movie out of it. Cause there was a lot of Sean Penn left on the editing floor or whatever. And they were going to say, but no, I hadn't heard yeah. this. Um, and I don't know. I mean, wow. I'm going to give me a here a second. I'm going to look it up. Has on. it played at any festivals or anything that we know of? No. Wow. Here's the plot synopsis. Okay. Um, after visiting Mont St. Michael, Marina and Neil come to Oklahoma where problems arise. Hmm. Marina meets a priest and fellow exile who is struggling with his vocation, while Neil renews his ties with a childhood friend, Jane. So it's very much a man-woman relationship movie, where hmm. Tree of Life was very much family, gotcha. father-son type of thing. This is all about husband, wife, and other relationships with other individuals. Hmm. But that's all I know. Weird. Um, Javier Bardem's in it. 
Olga Kirilenko, who is someone who's actually making a lot of films right now. She's okay. going to be in the new Tom Cruise movie, Oblivion, that's coming oh, out soon, sci-fi yeah. film. Um, huh. Very interesting. I'm just, and there again, I know, that's all I know about it, is that little paragraph description and the one photograph I've seen from the film, and that's That's it. surprising. Yeah, so I know you and I were just such big films, fans of Tree of Life. And that got a lot of acclaim when it came out, and it was kind of batted around a little bit in Oscar season. Mm -hmm. Here, this one's being dropped in mid-April, which is kind of the dead time for dropping any kind of film like this. Right. Haven't heard anything about it. Nothing. I'm just very, very curious at this point. I'm curious, and I guess I'm also a little concerned. Yeah. Because it seems like he's a director that likes to take his time, and I just feel like if he's dropping it in April, maybe it's just kind of something like, okay, well, I've worked on this. It hasn't really worked. I'm just going to put it out Just get it out of the way and move on. That's unfortunately how I'm viewing it right now. I'd like to be surprised though. Yeah. I mean, I do think Ben Affleck's on a really good role right now with as far as his, his creative work, you know, mostly in the directing side, but sure. You know, this is him acting. Rachel McAdams is someone who, who can be a good actress if given the right work, I think. And then Javier Bardem. I mean, yeah. I just, anything he's in right now, I'm really enjoying. What, what was so. the title of it again? To the wonder. Like to T-O, the wonder. The wonder. Okay. Yeah. So hmm. you have to check that out and see with that. And then that brings me to my final item, which, you know, I tried to go a little more highbrow on the first two. <laughs> Nelson Mandela biopic. Sure. Terrence Malick film. Sure. Let's talk Star Wars yet again. One oh. more time here, please. Okay. Um, I'll I do that. I keep bringing this up, but I'm sorry. More things are progressing even to every time we get together on this. Okay. So, of course, they are working on Episode 7. Well, it has to progress because it's – when's the release? Uh, it's like 2015. Okay. We're still so still got some off. time. J.J. Uh, Abrams is now directing. They've got writers lined up. I everywhere. feel good about that. What's happened in the last few weeks since uh, we recorded this, going backwards, is that they have now been re-signing certain actors and actresses oh, interesting. to play a role in Episode 7. Mm. So, Okay, I'll give thumb. Do you have a list? I'm going to give you a list of actors. You tell me yes or no if you think they've signed I was going to say thumbs up or thumbs down whether I thought it was a good idea. But I'll do well, that. Well, yeah, we'll do that too. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's just kind of start uh, Billy D. Williams. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Well, he hasn't signed on, best of my knowledge. Okay. Do you think he should? Do you think Lando has a role in Episode 7? If directed by J.J. Abrams, yeah. Okay. Because right. of Spock getting a role in the first Star Trek movie or mm. Leonard Nimoy. So I'll say, yeah. Okay. Uh, Carrie Fisher. I I would definitely say she would probably have something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, I think the rumors are that she's, she's signed. signed okay, yeah. that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, yeah, unlike Billy D, you know, I'm like kind of like, well, I don't know where he is at, but I guarantee you, she will hit whatever note, just like she never met, like she's never hasn't so? been out of the game. Oh yeah, I think she's a she's a a. I don't think she does a lot of work because she probably doesn't have to, hmm. but um, I think she's probably still sharp as attack. Okay. I think she'll she'll do fine. What about Mark Hamill? <laughs> I'll probably say they've probably signed him on or he's signed on. That's been the rumors as well. Yeah. That he's that, been approached uh, to perform, to play as Luke again. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Well, now there again, speculation on the roles they're playing, but I mean, come on. Right. You don't sign up Mark Hamill to come back unless he's going to be playing. I know you had the idea. I think it was you that had the idea or it was maybe somebody else I had drinks with not about sure. bringing back Mark Hamill, but not having him play Luke. Oh. Is that you? Yeah. I thought that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But, <laughs> I mean, um, then what about Harrison Ford? Okay, the more and more of these names, I, I, now I'm getting a little concerned. Uh, he'll he'll probably do it. He seems like he'd do anything for money. So He is actually the only one that has officially, from what we understand, signed on. Signed on. Yeah. So we've got 
I don't think we've so. got the trail. We've got the the uh, well, the trio. You know, the the big trio as far as uh, verbally or at least rumor wise coming back to have well, a role I, in episode seven. And if you're really gonna, if that's the direction this is really heading, then I'd say just you know save your money and don't have Billy D. Williams. If that would mm. cost any money, he may just do it for. I like, think the three of them would probably be enough. Yeah, it gets enough of it has enough of a carry through from the original trilogy, but it doesn't overpower. And the two, the one that I'm worried about is Mark Hamill, just because I haven't really seen him do a lot that wasn't Star Wars. But you know, think about it. Mark Hamill could play the Yoda role very good, where he's living off in a distant planet somewhere, old and grizzled, old and grizzled. Yeah, and you know, somebody a younger generation has to go to him for assistance and learning and. He could play that old and grizzled pretty good, I bet. Now, well, it makes sense if you're going to have if you're going to have Harrison Ford, you got to have Carrie Fisher, yeah, because I mean, you know they're supposed to get married or you know whatever. So, yeah, yeah. huh. All right, so that's my little Star Wars talk for the, for the month. I'm, I'll, I'll try to keep it low key on future episodes for a while until we get at least closer to the. Film. Well, if you can replace it with Pacific Rim talk, I'd rather you just do oh, Star we'll, Wars. We'll talk about Pacific Rim. <laughs> I'm actually going to dog ear that to talk about next time. Oh, We're no. going to talk about Pacific Rim. Good. It's on my notes. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's our news for this uh, this episode. Last thing we like to do on the show is kind of leave you with yet another film. This will be a recommendation. Each of us are giving one. Films that you can find pretty easily online. In other words, not having to go hunt down on what remains of Blockbuster or any other video store. These should be able to be pretty accessible on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon streaming or somewhere like that. So, Chris, what have you got for us on your film? Well, I'm going to do a comedy and Alan, you familiar with This American Life, the NPR show? Yeah. Uh-oh, he's smiling. This may mean he has the same pick. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'll just expand on it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so my pick is Sleepwalk With Me. Yep. <laughs> okay, as is yours. And um, this was a nice pairing because it's not a documentary like Sugarman, right. but yet, I mean, it more or less it kind of well is. I mean, the lead care, the it's written and directed by Mike Birbiglia, who's a up and coming. Well, by now he's not up and coming anymore, but established comedian. And the movie kind of tracks this comedian whose name is Matt Panbiglia. The, he, Matt Pan, Tem, Panbiglio. Yeah, okay. So pretty so, much they're just Yeah, he's just having fun with his name. But it tracks this character's rise from being a bartender who wants to be a stand-up comedian to becoming a comedian and actually going around and doing shows and learning about himself as a person. The title, of course, <laughs> Sleepwalk With Me. Uh, he also has a problem that it explores where he has problems sleepwalking. So, um, Alan, why did you pick this film as well? Well, I'll tell you, and I'm going to go and be honest with you. This is not a top-notch recommendation for me. Really? No, I, I did have a few issues with the film, but it's enough of a, it was enough of a enjoyable for me to say yes. I think people would, should check it out. Hey, huh. because it is really short. It's like 80 minutes or something. I mean, it's a very short film. And also, I think Mike Birbiglia is a pretty funny guy. Mm-hmm. The thing I admired the most about this film is that him being the writer and director of it, he was not at all ashamed to make himself look really, really bad. I agree. A lot of times in the film. I thought that was pretty admirable. Even his stand-up routine that he showcased throughout the film was horrible a lot of the times. Yeah. Uh, His physical appearance was, oh my gosh, really, really just, he really brought himself down. And I think he's not afraid to say, hey, yeah, when you're a stand-up comic going from hotel to hotel and... You know, you're kind of a schlubby guy anyway. This is this is what this it's is like. what it is. And yeah. I, I really admired him for that. I think he's a funny guy. I always admire writers, directors that are trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. I do think the the sleepwalking sequences were really really funny. I thought those were really, really well good. Done. I wish there were actually more of those. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, it was good. 
I, uh, you know, I, I didn't. I don't think it was great. I had probably a little higher expectations for it, but uh, I thought it was good enough to say, "Hey, for Net- Netflix Instant, absolutely go check it out. It's worth watching for an hour and a half." I think my, I, I, I liked it a lot, and I think I was impressed with how, like you were saying, he didn't flatter himself. Oh no, the movie he does himself no favors by making this movie. It's very. What I felt like, even though it was fictitious in parts, it was very honest. Yeah, that, that's very true. And, and just the, his relationship with his girlfriend. I mean, I think, yes, everything was extremely honest. There was no glossing over, no Hollywood ending, none of that. It was pretty much, yeah, this is what life is like, you know, and it ends the way that I think it probably had to end in a way. And, uh, you know, it was good. And I appreciate it. It's actually kind of a, to touch on the topic where you talked about biopics, I think he had interesting stories. You know, that's what This American Life that's produced by Ira Glass, who has actually worked as a producer on this as well, on the movie Ira Glass did. He assembles stories and he makes them interesting. As this movie was, you know, I think he knew he had some interesting stories, but instead of trying to make a documentary about himself, he's like, you know what? I bet I could string these together, maybe make some fake parts in there. It would be funny, but then it would also achieve the same thing. And they made a fictitious documentary you know? mm. and it worked. And I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was good. And yeah. I've also appreciated, of course, my mantra is the short running time. Yeah. You know, it was, and it, it, it was a nice breeze, uh, quick to go by movie. It, mm-hmm. it was good. Didn't feel like it stretched out any more than it needed to. It pretty much told its story. It was done. Uh, there are a couple really laugh out loud, funny moments. Oh. I mean, uh, the what was the animal he was kicking that he thought was in his oh, room when he was uh it wasn't like a oh man it wasn't a coyote but it was something like that yeah it was just yeah random some of those things were really well, really funny and some of the jokes towards the end were also funny and what I kind he got of better as he went along right he got better as he yeah. went along but some of the touches that he did because I guess he was just a comedian. There's a point where he gets up and he basically fails. He tells like two jokes and then sits back down at like a college coffee shop appearance. He sits back down and then a guy who's getting up to basically play guitar and he's like, and that was a comedian yeah, like right. that. And, and like that was a comedian, comedian. <laughs> right. as if like, yeah. in case you didn't know what that just was, yeah. that was supposed to be funny. And that was a comedian. And that like little things like that, little touches like that, I've found to be Well, it's awesome. funny that, you know, my wife or somebody else sitting there watching it who may not know this guy, because I've, I've heard, seen some of his standup. I've acts. never seen I've heard stuff, him on the radio it? before. Okay. He's a generally very funny guy. Gotcha. Generally funny. So, but somebody who doesn't know him would watch this and say, he's not really a comedian, is he? I mean, maybe because he just doesn't, <laughs> when he's a fledgling comedian in the film, really learning the ropes and is not funny at all, you're like, okay, uh, there's no way this guy can really be a comedian. So he really does downplay it. But I actually like the fact that it's, I like the little breakthrough moment when he's trying to do the stuff on stage, he's trying to do his his scripted stuff, and it's just not working. And then when he just realizes he could just kind of cut loose and just talk about his life openly is when he actually started getting really funny, and people appreciated that. But it's also what got him in trouble. Right. Let me ask you a question on that. Um, We both sound like we're on the same page with the movie um but you've heard his stuff outside of this movie and it may be something i'm going to admire even more about the film depending on your answer you said that you've the stuff that you've heard he's actually really funny and i guess much more put together than what it seems like he is at the end of this movie so are you saying he actually cut short of the full rise to I fame i think so i think he's funnier see, than even what we get a sense of at the end of this film see i think that's yeah. really cool see mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know like i like him enough as a comedian at the end of this film that i thought maybe that's that's now completely his fully formed style and that's it but you're saying he actually 
does rise a little bit higher. Yes. That's cool. Yes. So they, it's, I think so. Instead of this typical route, which would be show you at your low when you're beginning and then show the height to which you've achieved, he kind of stops short of that and says like, no, I'm just, this is, yeah. you know, he still leaves some room that he's going to grow as a person or as you a You know, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's still left him room to grow as a, as a comedian at the end. And gotcha. I, I do think he's funnier than what we see at the end of the film. Oh, cool. So. But it's good. I, I admired the film. I thought it was enjoyable. It wasn't outstanding. I'm not running around recommending it to all my friends, but I thought it was enough of a solid there again, the writer director, a comedian becoming a writer director for the first time it being an American, this American life tie in. I thought it was a worth, worthwhile recommendation. It's just funny. You had the same. I one, got so. the same one. Okay. So you, instead <laughs> of two, you got one. Sorry. We shortchanged. All of you as listeners out there, you got one recommendation, but definitely go check it out. You've got two people here saying it's worth seeing. Definitely. Well, Chris, I think that's all we got for today on today's show. Uh, We did our review of Searching for Sugar Man, which we both are in agreement. It was a good film. I was probably a little more enthusiastic about it, but we were both very positive on it. Mm -hmm. A glimpse inside (laughs) the mind of Charles Swan III, we strongly disagreed on. Uh, I thought it was just horrible, and Chris actually quite enjoyed it. I found some things to enjoy. All right. So fine. We agree to disagree. True. Uh, We went through some movie news, talked about biopics, talked about Star Wars, talked about Terrence Malick. And then we both had the same recommendation for Sleepwalk With Me. Uh, You've been listening to Foot Candle Films on The Mesh. Remember to check us out on themesh.tv. You can go back and listen to our whole back catalog of episodes, all the way back to episode number one, which was the film Win Win. So that's we've been doing this for about two years now or so. Mm -hmm. Um, Go back and listen to that. We're on a schedule of doing this twice a month right now, so we hope to have two episodes a month coming out uh, going forward. And... um, yeah, I think that's it. If you got any questions or need to reach us for anything, info at TV. you can do that. And one additional note, uh, we're recording this right at the end of February, right before the Oscars. But by the time this comes out, Oscars will be done. On our next podcast, we'll try to have the winner for oh, yes. th- picking the Oscars contest contest like we'll we'll have the winner and we'll appreciate everybody who filled out ballots online for their oscar picks we're going to be looking forward sunday night to the ceremony and see who our online podcast listener winner is going to be for the uh for the getting the most picks right for oscar night okay well we'll get together next time we'll have a couple more films to review and some other movie news as well i do know that coming up soon we'll be reviewing the film more that'll be showing sometime in march yes so we'll uh one of our episodes one of the next two episodes we'll definitely have a review of that film and then anything else we stumble across coming out new in the theaters we'll try to catch up on as well until then chris take care of yourself I'll do that, and I promise I won't pick another Charles Swan the Third. Well, no, no, just let's just <laughs> let's just say we're not going to pick another Charlie Charlie Sheen movie. Like, oh, agreed. Is that fair enough? Agreed. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to blacklist everybody that was involved with the movie. <laughs> just pretty much him. Just so, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, agreed. All right, right. Take care. We'll see you next time. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.